Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Anita J, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, February 1st, 2017. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are in Bill's story, beginning on page three. The first paragraph, which starts for the next few years, through two paragraphs ending, kept me out of those scrapes. The first paragraph read for context only. Comments focused on the second paragraph read. Today's readers are for the 12 steps, Stacy T., the 12 Traditions, Janice M., and the readers of the text are Devorah S., Dion R., and Chrissy G. The share ID number for yesterday, Tuesday, January 31st, is 9529. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We're self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. OA's Fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. For you, study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Stacy T to get us started by reading the 12 steps. Good morning. This is Stacy T in Cleveland. Thank you for your service, Anita. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10. Continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 
11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all of our affairs. I pass. Thank you so much, Stacey T. And I will now ask Janice M. to read the 12 Traditions. And good morning to you, Anita J. and everyone, and thank you for your service. My name is Janice M., and I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. These are the 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants they do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group are to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction. Rather than promotion, we need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. And twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions ever reminding us to place principles before personalities at past. Thanks so much, Janice M. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. 
Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book on page three. The very first paragraph read for context only, and the second paragraph is the one we will be discussing. And I will now ask Devorah S. to get us started. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you. This is Devorah S., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater from New Jersey. For the next few years, fortune threw money and applause my way. I had arrived. My judgment and ideas were followed by many to the tune of paper millions. The great boom of the late 20s was seething and swelling. Drink was taking an important and exhilarating part in my life. There was loud talk in the jazz places uptown. Everyone spent in thousands and chattered in millions. Scoffers could scoff and be damned. I made a host of fair-weather friends. My drinking assumed more serious proportions, continuing all day <clears throat> excuse me, and almost every night. The remonstrances of my friends terminated in a row, and I became a lone wolf. There were many unhappy scenes in our sumptuous apartment. There had been no real infidelity, for, light, for loyalty to my wife helped at times by extreme drunkenness, kept me out of those scrapes. So... Here we are. Yesterday he was arriving. He was, he was, you know, years of fortune through money and applause my way, and he had arrived. And today, the par- next paragraph, he was a lone wolf. You know, he was, he had gotten into arguments. People didn't want to hang with him anymore. There were unhappy scenes in his apartment, and all of a sudden, we're seeing how progressive. I'm seeing the progressiveness of this disease. And I certainly can relate to that um, because when I got married, um, my husband married a lovely lady, and then he, um, and then over the years, I became, as I became deeper and deeper in this disease, you know, I wanted to be left alone, and I wanted to be that lone wolf. I became that lone wolf. I wanted to just shut the shades in my house and just. Um, hibernate in my own little room with the blankets up over my head and the pillow and just leave me out of this. I didn't know how to deal with what was going on. Um, I, you know, my, We had social things to do, and I did not want to go. I stayed home. I would send my husband on his own and just, you know, I, I didn't feel good about myself. I didn't have clothing to wear, um, and I just would send him make all kinds of excuses, and he would go on his merry way without me. Um, So it just shows me how this disease is so, so progressive from one minute to the next, how we we deteriorate and our lives deteriorate. Here he had everything going for him, this beautiful apartment and a wife who was really stood, stood by his side, but yet, you know, the disease took over and he... He became a person into himself, and he doesn't remember. Um, he says there had been no real infidelity for loyalty. My life helped at times by extreme drunkenness. You know, he, you know, all I can say is that 
he doesn't he probably doesn't even remember whether he was loyal to his, or not to his wife, you know, because you know, I could also make all kinds of excuses that you know, I was very loyal to my husband, but was I really present for him? Was I there for him? You know, um, you know, did I was I was our relationship growing? Um, and I could say in those years it was not because of this disease, and I was living in denial, and I wanted to be, you know, I shut myself away. And um, so this is a great reminder. I have to always keep my memory green um, about the, who I, you know, I, I, it's so easy for me to forget my experiences, when, how I was living in the food and in my disease, and this is a reminder that what this disease does to me and and why I really need to be here every day and be studying this book with all of you. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thanks so much, Devorah S. So who would like to comment on? This is Bella. Can I share? Katie, Jackie, Katie, just a minute. Wait a minute. Jackie, Harlan and Bella. Jackie Lee. and and Jackie there may have been one more. Well, Rachel this is great. This, Did you watch Melissa C? M- I've got you in there somewhere. I can't read my okay, writing. Thanks. Wait. Thanks. Okay. <laughs> I, I think I think you're around here. Okay. All right. Let's go. We have a wonderful list of people. Let's see. Harlan, Bella, Jackie, Katie G, Larry, Melissa C, Tina S. Chrissy G, Elise M, Camille G, and Rachel W. Let's go with this list. Good morning, Harlan. Good morning. Thank you very much for your service. Thank you, Janet. Thank you to Team Wednesday for all you all you do. I'm Harlan G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Scottsdale, Arizona. Can I be heard? Yes, you can. Okay, great. This is a very very quintessential paragraph in this story here. The line that says everyone spent in thousands and shattered in millions, scoffers could scoff and be damned I made a host of fair-weather friends. Here's the kid from East Dorset, Vermont. Never had anything in his life. He's got friends that want to be his friends, not because he's such a nice guy, but because he's making a ton of money and they are hoping that his superstar success will rub off on them. Bill Wilson was a superstar on Wall Street. People wanted what he had in the same way that if a famous movie star or athlete or business industrialist, if they came in, we would want to know what they had to say. Now, listen, I have to listen to the next paragraph here because this is something that tells my life story. My drinking assumed more serious proportions continuing all day and almost every night. The remonstrances of my friends, a remonstrance is a loud protestation. 
an argument of my friends terminated in a row. A row is an argument. It's a quarrel. And I became a lone wolf. Everything he ever wanted was in his hands. The money, the success, the friends, the wife, the apartment, the status. But the alcohol was doing something for him that these earthly things could not do. The alcohol was doing something for him. It was giving him a sense of ease and comfort that Dr. Silkworth calls the effect. The alcohol was making the internal pain of not drinking go away. And so even though he wasn't making an intelligent choice, he chose the alcohol or the alcohol chose him, which is much more accurate. The alcohol chose him so that he had to go to John Barleycorn rather than everything he ever wanted in his life. So to him, the heck with these people. And how many times did I sit home alone with Kit Kat bars and frozen pizzas and Kentucky Fried Chicken when everything I ever wanted was happening, but I absented myself because I couldn't pull away from the food. It says there were many unhappy scenes in our apartment, in our sumptuous apartment. Not a few, many. There had been no real infidelity for loyalty to my wife's health at times by extreme drunkenness kept me out of those scrapes. Now we have a book in AA called As Bill Sees It, and there's a book in Al-Anon called As Lois Remembers, and this is certainly one of those places where they're not the same. We know that Bill had his dalliances, but that's not pertinent to what we're talking about today. What we're talking about today in my life was whenever there was a choice between my dreams, my aspirations, my goals, and food, food came, tapped me on the shoulder, and chose me. Every dream I dream went up, dream went up in smoke because I couldn't pull away from the Kit Kat right. bars and everything else. And with that, I will pass. Thank you. Thanks so much, Harlan. Good morning, Bella G. You're up. Good morning. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. My name is Bella G., and I am a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Good morning, Anita, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody on the line. Wow, this paragraph is the story of my life. My drinking assumed more serious proportion, continuing all day and almost every night. Yes, this is me. Before the program, you know, I was miserable, and I believed that I'm miserable because of you, because of everybody. Everybody is making me miserable. I believe that I am stupid. I believe that I, I don't have a willpower. I believe that all of you can lose weight. It's only me. I was all the time lonely and alone. I didn't even see my small success things in my life because I did, I did have some success. This is the pain of, my, of the disease to live in pain. I was disconnected with myself. I lived in anger, in pain, in blaming, in judging, in suffering. I was suffering. And yes, I found myself all the time in the food. And as much as I 
wanted to be happy and as much as I wanted to be with people, I just found myself surrounding with food as more as possible in the morning, at night, during the day. As much as I was running to the food, I ran away from people, I ran away from social, I ran away from myself. The pain, the pain, the suffering of this disease. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. I am not there anymore. Today, I, today I choose to be connected to a loving, accepting power and to be connected to myself and disconnected with, from my ego. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you so much, Bella G. Jackie. Um, Hi, I'm, I'm Jackie B. Can I be heard? Yes, you can. Okay. Hi, I'm Jackie B. from uh, the Bronx, New York. Um, recovered today, one day at a time. Um, I read this chapter, just be- these paragraphs just before we read, and it, it so spoke to me, the progression. Um, growing up, you know, I, I stayed in my room. I, I didn't want to be part of anything. Um, I wanted friends, but, you know, I didn't know how because my mom lived with fear all the time. I grew up in a household of fear, mishadas, um, not knowing, and I thought M&Ms was the way to deal with life. Um, either my father was drinking or my mother had her hands in a package of M&Ms, and that's how I thought life was to cope. And then later on in life, when I found program, I found a husband. I found uh, I had a child later on, but it didn't matter. I was still into the food. I told, uh, so identify with, you know, not being there for my family. You know, I remember leaving my child, you know, in her crib, a newborn, to go and binge, to go down to the corner, to go get a whole bunch of binge food. You know, nothing, no matter how much love, no matter how much caring, no matter how much money there was in the house, it didn't matter. The food mattered. The, um, you know, or having a fight with my husband or a boyfriend at the time, he was my boyfriend, so he could get out of the house so I could go in the back of the freezer to get the ice cream, you know, um, or or make, you know, ideas to my husband, well, you know what, we'll have a nice romantic night if you just spend $300 on this room and all I wanted to do is go downstairs and eat $200 worth of food, you know, or, you know, trying to not tell him why $200 of his money is gone because I was really spending the money on uh, food and didn't want to tell them. You know, today I don't do that today. Today I'm honest. Today I have money in my pocket because I don't spend time on the food. I spend time on being of service, to being here, to being alive. And this morning I woke up and I said, God, thank you for letting me be here today. Thank you for letting me get to work on time so that I can be here to listen to this and to share with other people that no matter where you are in your program, the answer is here. Just keep working, keep studying, keep being of service. Like everyone on the line, thank you for sharing. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks so much, Jackie B. And Katie G., good morning. Hello, Anita J. May I be heard? (laughs) Yes, yes. Awesome. Good morning, everyone. I've got my timer. Katie D. Recovered Compulsive Overeater. 
anorexic and bulimic, happy to call in this morning from Boston. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, um, of course, it assumes more serious propulsions, right? In another period, another place of the book, it talks about over every period of controlled eating was inevitably followed by still less control, which led to pitiful and incomprehensible demoralization. So up in the paragraph above, I'd arrived like, holy smokes, I'd hit goal weight. Like I was thin, everything was going well. <clears throat> and then someone looked at me and said, hey, Katie, you know what? I'm a little worried. It sounds like, it seems like your uh, skin is the wrong color. And, you know, your digestive tract doesn't seem to be digesting food because, Katie, it kind of smell and you're growing peach fuzz on your arms. And you know what? If you told me the truth when I'm in my disease, go screw. Go screw. Like, sorry for the phrase, guys. I know it's early in the morning, but bye-bye. Get out of my face. I don't want to hear the truth. You know, I don't want you to tell me. I don't want you to take away the only solution that I knew how to deal with my life, which was starving, binging, eating, and exercise. Um, and yeah, like we have this, you know, again, this proves to me that A, I am, an, I am a compulsive overeater and I cannot manage my own life, and B, that no human power, right? Because we have this sumptuous apartment. How I lost you. What happened to you? Katie. Hi, Anita. When did you lose me? I started hearing Have that to, voice. Sumptuous apartment. Okay, awesome. All right, good. <laughs> so, so right, like, so no human power, right? Like a couple years ago, I had met the man that I was gonna that I was gonna marry, and instead of going to God, I got agnostic, right? Because somehow God had relieved me from the bondage of food and food addiction, and found a career for me. But somehow He's gonna take away this man because I love him, and and God isn't that good, right? And so I started exercising bulimically. We had this beautiful home. We had this beautiful home, but I wasn't capable of showing up in the relationship. I, like Bill, had to be extremely drunk. Why? Not because I'm an angry person, not because I'm a crazy person, because I'm a fear-based person. And I started looking to exercise bulimia because exercise bulimia was a step up from, for me. And today, thank you, God, as so, as so many of us have said, like, we don't have to live there today. We don't have to live in this endless roller coaster of seeking human powers, right? You know, like not only am I powerless over food and exercise bulimia, I'm also powerless over this desire I have in my life to want power over people, places, and things. But there's only one power, right? And and where can I find them? Right here, right now, unblocked, no food, no exercise, no nothing, just me and God and all of you. Thank you, God, and I'm going to keep doing it one day at a time, shoulder to shoulder with all of you in Boston. God bless. Thanks so much, Katie G. And Larry K., you're up. Good morning. Good morning, Anita. Good morning. <laughs> <laughs> nice to talk to you. Larry K., recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. Um, well, boy, I, I can definitely identify with Bill here. I, I also became a lone wolf. Um, nearly three decades ago, um, I was a young married guy, um, and my eating had assumed more serious proportions. And like Bill, I, I had to have my my heroin substances simply to cope with the, the buildup of these normal human emotions that I, I saw others coping with that I couldn't. You know, the food was that was the solution to my problem there. It, it, it had a numbing effect on me, and it was something that I could have, that I can anticipate and get excited about. 
And, and Bill and I, you know, tried hard to strive for our perception of success at the time. I, I don't recall how sumptuous, you know, my apartment was, but, but I, you know, I certainly contributed to m- many unhappy moments during those years. I mean, you know, after all, I, I had a, a lethal combination of character flaws that I didn't see at the time, but that would annihilate any chance of a meaningful relationship. And some of those included arrogance and judgmentalism and self-centeredness. I had an oversensitivity character flaw, of course, fear and resentment, all these things contributed. And, you know, my false assumptions about everyone else were like termites. You know, these false assumptions like termites, they slowly ate away at the fabric of love and acceptance, all the things necessary to build relationships. And eventually the whole structure is destroyed, but, but it often happens subtly at first, but, you know, but, you know, it, it's destroyed just the same. And of course I needed food to quiet the monkey chatter in my head and only a complete spiritual awakening where, where God would eventually lift me from the gutter, from the quicksand that would suffice to produce new attitudes, new ideas, new actions. You know, and if Bill hadn't experienced this divine change, in his own way, you know, let's face it, you and I wouldn't be on this phone line this morning. We're grateful for this program. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thanks so much, Larry Kay. Um, next is Melissa C., followed by Tina S. Good morning, Melissa. Hi. Good morning, Anita. It's Melissa C., recovered compulsive overeater in New York. And, um, you know, what strikes me here is how um, – I always like to blame my circumstances on my eating, you know, and, um, you know, a situation like things are really hard right now. So that's why I'm overeating. And, you know, you know, when my dad died, it was like, oh, then I found the food or, you know, we suffered some loss and there was the food. But the truth is, um, like Bill, this problem was growing in me when I had everything, you know, when everything was going my way, um, I was still, food was taking an exhilarating and important place in my life. And that's what I see here in this story. I mean, he hasn't lost it yet. He hasn't lost it all yet. Um, but he's losing it, you know, because, because the drink is taking a, a, you know, center stage in his life. And, you know, that's, that's my story. I think, like, when I first got married, um, I had everything. Um, you know, we had this little apartment. It wasn't sumptuous, but we were so happy. And I got this job I really wanted. I had, you know, friends. And yet I was spending um, my days when my husband was at work and I was off for the summer eating. The second he left the house, I was running to the bakery um, like a crack addict and loading up on junk and sitting on the couch all day, not seeing people, being a lone wolf. And then when he'd come home, um, I was angry, you know, I was full of rage and, um, you know, and so I know my, my story is, um, food, um, you know, there was a time when I could sort of fit a binge into my life, you know, I could, in socially, I could overeat um, in the middle of the night, and it was like that was enough. And then, um, you know, then I had to fit my life around my binges, you know, and then it grows, and so I have no life. 
food is my life. And when he talks about um, fidelity, you know, I'll be honest, my fidelity was to the food. You know, yeah, I was faithful to my husband because I didn't have the energy to even think about, you know, being loving for anyone else. And frankly, I wasn't all that attractive, you know. With there's food all over you and you're in a food coma, who are you look? you know, who's looking at you? And that's sort of what I see here with Bill. Um, you know, and so that's not my story today. Today, um, you know, I live differently. Food has a small place in my life. My life is the center. You know, God is the center. Um, and food is just my nourishment. Thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thanks so much, Melissa C. Tina S., you're your turn. Good morning. Good morning, Anita. Tina S., compulsive eater, um, anorexic in Florida. Well, grateful, grateful. Uh, you know, I know as a kid, you know, compulsive eating made me a loner, and, and I was a light, an isolator for many, many years. And, um, you know, and in my disease and in my mind, you know, I, I was searching for something to be something different. You know, so in my teens, you know, all that I was looking for, you know, I, I I found, you know, and I'd arrived with some speed and with some booze and, and for a very long time that kept me in a place of uh, still searching but, you know, arriving and thinking that I, you know, was better than and had it made and all that kind of stuff. And then, you know, I like what it talks about here. It says, you know, as my drinking assumed more serious proportions, you know, uh, and my eating, you know, did because eventually, you know, on my own, you know, my, my dilemma, lack of power came back with a vengeance, you know, and I started eating blackouts, you know, and, and all of my friends, you know, they were protesting for sure, you know, and, and I had many quarrels, you know, many rows, rows, and, um, you know, because others thought they knew what I needed and how I needed to do things, you know, and so, you know, I was not listening to anybody, you know, so the good news for me today is there is no mental defense, you know, he talks about that in the book later on, there is no mental defense, and this defense must come from a power greater than myself, and, and you know, today I'm open to it. You know, because when I look back, you know, you know, my track record, uh, relying on a power greater than myself is so much better than relying on Tina. You know, self-reliance totally failed me. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thanks so much, Tina S. It's going to be Chrissy G. followed by Elise M. Good morning, Chrissy. Good morning. It's Chrissy G. recovered um, in New Jersey. I, um, I absolutely inspired to speak today because I I felt that that lone wolf I mean I could just feel the pain and the agony of that that phrase being a lone wolf and not wanting anything to do with people and thinking that that's what I liked thinking that's who I was I mean you know that becomes that became my normal in um, living that way in isolation I forgot that I was a social kid before I got deep into the food and into the eating disorder, that um, I really love to be around people. And I, I discovered that, again, after I put the food down, it was really interesting because then I needed people like I've never needed people before. And it was a very vulnerable feeling. It was, you know, it was a feeling like um, my, my recovery depended on the people that I called, the pe- my reach out, my outreach calls. And, and um, my support system, that my life depended on those people. And in a lot of ways, those people were my higher power um, at first until I got a higher power. But certainly, you can see how the alcohol here 
was his higher power. You know, it enabled him to to rub elbows and 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 travel in circles that he may not have felt worthy of. You know, the insecurities that that bubble up when when we're out living life and you know, what do we need as a buffer? Something to soften the edges, alcohol, food, or what have you. But I'm just so grateful that I don't need anything to buffer me from life anymore. And truth be told, it is my higher power is God, and sometimes God with skin, as they say, which is my people that I love and support me and I support. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thanks so much, Chrissy G. Um, Elise M., good morning. You're up. Hi, Anita. Can I be heard? Yes, yes. Good morning. Morning. Hi. Good afternoon from France. Um, this is oh. Louise um, <laughs> <laughs> um, um, covering bulimic. Um, and grateful to be here. Um, yeah, I really related to this paragraph. There were a few things that stood out for me. Um, and one was that later my you know, my using um, did assume more serious proportions, but I think that my brain hadn't really caught up with it. Like, I still thought, I didn't realize that I had passed over that line from, um, you know, being able to maybe address it myself, um, because I think I was still viewing it as, like, how it was um, many, many years ago, rather than... Um, a very, very out of control um, physical allergy, mental obsession, and spiritual malady. <laughs> um, I couldn't quite take it all on board, and so I just continued to beat myself up for not being able to stop, um, partly because I hadn't taken on board that it had um, taken on more serious proportions. Um, what also happened and can continue to happen even in abstinence is that my spiritual malady can um, assume more and more serious proportions. Um, my need to use, uh, consume and control um, <clears throat> not just food, not just my weight, um, but other people in, you know, to get that feeling of ease and comfort, to get that feeling of I have arrived. Um, you know, when I'm living from that false self that was propelled by my addiction, um, you know, because it is not rooted in anything real, um, it doesn't have a spiritual foundation, it's always empty, it always needs, I always need, you know. And I think that got more and more serious, you know, my need for constant attention, my confusion for, you know, attention um, and admiration for love, um, my need for, you know, security and all of these things, just a life ran on self-will. Um, the spiritual malady just, you know, really, really increased um, and definitely did continue all day and almost every night, you know, that constant, like, fear, the need for approval, the blood draining from every cell in my body when I feel like one person doesn't like me. Um, so I'm just grateful to, um, you know, have a life that is more connected to um, a higher power that uh, enables me to um, kind of live with more love and more of my real um, feelings and more self because um, 
I also relate to that feeling of being a lone wolf, but also a lone wolf inside myself, like so, so alienated from any sense of self-esteem, self, you know, any sense of love, care, no. um, belonging. Thank you. Um, so I'll pass. Thanks so much, Camille. Um, I mean, Elise. And now comes Camille, followed by Rachel W. Camille G. Camille, press star one. Maybe I dreamed her. Camille G. Well, Rachel W., are you? Hi, Anita. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I am. I am. I was having trouble with star one. Good morning, Anita. Good morning, (laughs) fellows. And thank you so much, Anita, um, for your service. Uh, Let's see. Um, What I related to in this paragraph was his, um, his highs and his constant highs and his constant lows. Um, his his abnormal way of living. I lived with constant highs. Either I was high, high because I was dieting and I weighed the right figure and it made me feel worthy or I was low and I was binging my brains out and I was worthless. And I am just so grateful to know that today I've been in program for over 25 years and it's different for me today as I walk through the big book with greater, um, just with a greater sense of commitment. Um, just for today, you know, it's just, I always had a sense of commitment and I just bring my new self, my older new self to this today. And I feel differently in my being today around the work that I'm doing in the big book. What I love today that I'm able to do one day at a time, as long as I remember to stay spiritually fit, is to just live on hum, is to live a straight line, is to live without a lot of drama um, and deep, deep lows. And just for that constancy, I'm just forever grateful. That's my share for today. Thank you so much. Thanks so much, Camille G. And now, Rachel W., you're up. Press star one. Rachel. Good morning, Anita. Can you hear me okay? Yes, yes. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Thank you so much. It's good to hear you on the line. This is Rachel W. Recover Compulsive Overeater calling from New York. And he says, my drinking is new, more serious proportions, continuing all day and almost every night. And, you know, I, I know Bill's story. I've lived Bill's story this way. And I watch myself throughout the years go deeper and deeper into my food addiction, you know, eating entire boxes of Entenmann's and a study full of Reese's bar, um, Reese's and Snickers. And, and, um, and then I came in a way and, and I heard people say they ate out of the garbage cans. And I was like, well, I never did that, you know, but this is a disease of a mind, a disease of denial. And even after eight years of abstinence, um, I had two year, uh, two year relapse um, afterwards. And I, I remember how, I was so severely disappointed that these binges weren't even working anymore. Like I was almost up to intravenous Reese's, like nothing was working because I'd been in this program for a long time. I knew far too much. And they say, I've heard it said that, you know, it's like being here is like being the mafia, like, you know, far too much to ever leave. And, but I remember during those times, like as my eating was reaching those serious proportions, I remember praying and asking, you know, God, how can you just sit there and watch me destroy myself? And, um, you know, where are you? And, uh, 
you know what? I've since then I've learned a thing or two, and one of them that it's is that it's never too early to start working step two and to make a sincere effort, you know, to open myself to a power greater than myself, which is the way out of step one, you know, is to reach out to you and say, Hey, I'm struggling. I mean, that's why we're here. Um, I can reach out to others. I can go to meetings in the literature. All these are my higher powers. They were the first higher powers. They led me out of my binging to this enlarging spiritual base that I have today and, um, and just last week, I spoke to someone who was binging, and I, and I asked her, you know, do you believe in a power greater than yourself? And she said she did, that every morning she prays, and she asked for God to come to her, to help her, to be with her, help her stay up, and it, and it never fails. By the afternoon, she's binging, and um, I'm ending with this. But I just, I marveled with her that, you know, you know what, what I experienced, and she's experienced the same thing, that, you know, we invite God in for help, and he sends us these agitations. And he sends us learning opportunities and sends, you know, he's right there wanting me to learn. The universe is pushing me to grow. And when I pick up the food, I'm saying, that's okay. I don't really want to grow right now. I'd rather grow physically, you know, and um, I'm going to binge and uh, then I'm going to wonder where you went. Okay, God, that's what we're going to do here. But, you know, today is so different. I love when Bella says, you know, that for today, you know, living for today, it's, I, I know that my greatest challenge is my lack of acceptance. And I lean in these steps and I lean at the agitations. And today is a completely different day. We've never had a February 1st, 2017. We've never delved in the big book the way we are right now. You know, even though it's the same text, but it's as if we've never read it before. And for me, that's what keeps me here is keeping my program fresh and celebrating this program in a new day of recovery with you. So thank you for allowing me to share. Thanks so much, Rachel W. Uh, we have time for a few more. Who would like to share? Anna K. Suji. Vasa Anna O. K. Anna K. Suji Vasa. Du L. Yvette N. Du L. And Yvette M. Let's see if we can get through all of you. All right. Um, now I can't even read my first name here. Who was the first one? Anna Kay. Before... Anna Kay, that's you. Go ahead. Thank you. Good morning. <laughs> Thank you very much, Anita. <laughs> Thank you, everybody on the line. I'm Anna Kay, a grateful, recovered, co-possible reader from the Poconos in Pennsylvania. Well, for me, there were many, many unhappy scenes it wasn't a sumptuous apartment, but it was my, my apartment. It was my first husband in my 20s. I'm 61 now. And I couldn't stop. I couldn't stop. And I had to spend many years after that still not stopping in and out of the rooms, but uh, grateful for today. But I hated myself. I hated myself. I walked in shame. I didn't know what was to love myself. I was so unhappy with every aspect of who I was. I couldn't view myself as a complete person. And what came from that was that even though my husband loved me, we were childhood sweet, um, high school sweethearts, and I did love him. And, you know, I never believed when people would say, oh, if you can't love yourself, you're not able to love others. But on some level, that was true. Because he loved me very much and couldn't understand why I couldn't see myself how he did. And I couldn't because I was filling myself up with my food, 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 and I couldn't see anything. I couldn't see the good. I couldn't see the beauty in anything, definitely not myself. So I walked life in shame, and that was the unhappy scenes. It 
just blossom and mushroomed further into all that. And, and, and now I see promises through this program, and it's taken 32 years. Well, I'm a slow learner, but grateful to be here. And I could see there's beauty, there's love, and it allows me to love more, to be grateful. Thank you very much for sharing. Have a good one. Bye. Thank you so much, Anna Kay. Uh, Sue, you're up next. And yes, this is Sue, a recovery compulsive eater, and I am up, and praise God, I am. Um, there was a time I was so down that as the paragraph says, you know, he drank day and night. I ate. I, I didn't get up. Because of marital problems, I was sleeping on the sofa. And I was staying up because I was so unhappy. He would go to bed early. And I was so unhappy that food became my lover, my friend, um, my confidant, my everything. Food became everything. I didn't have friends at that time. I had young children. I would fall asleep with my hand in the bag or in the box. And I would wake up with my hand still in the box or in the bag and continue to eat and fall asleep and wake up and continue to do that all through the night. And sitting up, and I would sleep in until about 11. Um, it, it was... It was such a sickness. I, you know, I blamed everyone else. Um, I'm sure that partly, you know, the marriage was part of the problem. But, but um, once I was into my food that deeply, um, that's all I wanted. Uh, and as I gained weight and gained weight, um, yes, I did volunteer work. I went off to the schools where my kids went and I helped in the library. But I couldn't wait until I got home where I could sit and eat. Um, you know, I ate and, and I didn't eat like that when people were around or when my family were during meals or anything else. It was it was after uh they went to school and then after my husband went to bed. And I ruined my body Ruined my digestive system. Had no friends. And it wasn't until vision where I actually had outreach people. I, my neighbors had kids that were younger and we didn't communicate. My husband didn't want to socialize, so therefore when we got married, we lost the friends that we did have. I, my friends that I had, no car, two little kids, they ran away. And that could be seen as excuses, but... Um, and you bundle them all up, you just don't see straight. All you see is the problems. And uh, I thank God for the vision meeting because, like Bella says, you know, I'm, I'm not that way anymore. I, I can't imagine eating like that in volumes that I ate. Uh, like Bill, you know, drank like that. That's how I ate. And I'm so glad that the food doesn't call my name now. I can plan my food ahead of time. I can make my outreach calls, work my program, and, and that's the joy of my life, uh, working the program and working with other people. Thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thanks so much. Uh, Vasa, you're up next. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you, Anita, for your service, and I'm grateful to recover compulsive overeater calling from Florida. Um, yeah, I, I could identify with Bill's 
story, uh, Food Was My Love. Um, the paragraph before this, I have arrived. I had had a boyfriend. I had a husband. I had the house. I had the children. I had a cat and dog at times. Um, and I thought that was going to make me happy. But the food was always behind me. I was always looking, always trying to. Um, I cooked it. I experimented how to cut the calories down. It was just, you know, I did it for 25 years of my life. It was just so insane what I did, you know. I'm going to the Weight Watchers. I'd get motivated. I'd cook all those diet things, and i put them in the freezer for them to last me for, for a week or two weeks or whatever. And, you know, by the time I cooked and put them in the freezer, I didn't want to eat them. I threw them out. But the disease was getting progressive. I didn't want to go places with my husband any longer. I didn't want to do things. I didn't want to go to the beach because I couldn't fit in the bathing suit. Um, and uh, it was just a struggle, a struggle for, for my, for the, you know, for my life. Um, and then I love this paragraph, my drinking assumption, more serious proportion, con- continued all day and almost every night. And I've shared this before. My husband would say, yeah, you eat only one meal. One meal, it starts in the morning and doesn't end until at nighttime. Even at nighttime, when he went to sleep, I, if I had to go to the bathroom, I always went back in the kitchen to check the refrigerator. So it was just so progressive, uh, and I'm so grateful. That I don't have to do that any longer because I have found a solution right here. I have the, uh, the recipe and the 12 steps and uh, I eat today just it's like nourishment from my body God is the center in my life today with everything else and I have such a busy life and I like myself today and I used to hide myself didn't want to undress in front of my husband and today I can walk around naked I'm sorry to say that of course you know my bedroom you know and I don't I don't have a shame of my body any longer and I'm just so, so grateful to God that God is doing for me that I couldn't do for myself, not with, with the, just the food, with everything in my life that I have today. I have peace, I have joy today, and I have serenity today. Thank you for letting me and I pass. Thank you. Two, I don't know, can you say something for a minute? <laughs> if you can, please. Sure, sure, please. Anita. Thank you. Um, <laughs> Do recover compulsive overeater and um, uh, recover today from New York. Um, just real quick, um, you know this 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 reminds me of step one. You know we are powerless over the food and our lives have become unmanageable. So there's a cause and effect. The cause is you know I can't control my alcoholic binge foods. I can't. I can't. And any time that I try to control them, it becomes you know, my life becomes unmanageable. And if you don't think that this disease is progressive, they're telling you here it is. It is. And eventually what happens is I lose everything. You know, I I look at, you know, how this disease is progressive in my life and and how, you know, I lose I lose my friends because I isolate. I I lose my sexual relations because I don't want to even have sex when I'm fat, you know. Um I lose my health because all of a sudden I either become too obese 
or I have health problems as a consequence of my 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 compulsive eating, right? I could get my heart uh, arteries clogged up and I could have a heart attack at 25 or I could have a heart attack at 30. You know, um, I could get cancer cells. I could get all these different, um, I could get diabetes. So if you think this is not progressive, it is. And, and that's what they're telling you in this paragraph, that it is progressive, it is a real danger, and there is a way out, and it's through the steps, it's through this book, and we're going to explore more about that. But I just want to leave it at that. Thank you for letting me share. We don't hear you. Anita, are you there? Oh, here I'm saying such beautiful, sincere things. Thank you for everybody who has shared. And I'm sorry, Yvette, I hope you will wait for the second hour. But we will now close um, with um, having uh, Dion R. read A Vision for You, found on page 164. Dion? Hi. Thank you, Anita. Uh, my name is Deanna R. Recover Compulsive Overeater. A book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do for each can do each day for the man who was still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of, uh, the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then, and I'll pass.